0: There are 20 to 30 times more active ingredients in a seed, gram for gram, than any fruit or vegetable. In fact, all nutrition comes from seeds. Learn more and buy seed-based supplements at seedsandcells.net. Welcome to Nat Chats with... I'm talking to my friend Becky Rice today. And welcome. Thank you for coming.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: The reason I'm sitting down with you is because I've been watching what you've been posting on Instagram lately, and I'm super riveted because not that many people are willing to be self-aware and go, how do I feel? Hmm. How do I feel about this? Yeah. And the thing that you're doing that with is really fascinating to me. So I don't even want to describe it. I just want to let <laughs> you explain your thought process.
1: Yeah, Thank you for saying that. And honestly, I'm really excited to hear some of your thoughts behind it too. Let me just kind of set up why I'm in this room. I have been a professional photographer and videographer for, I mean, about 10 years. And so I'm really comfortable taking pictures of people and helping them pose. And honestly, for the last seven years, I've kind of spent a lot of energy trying to connect beauty and self-worth with helping people and my clients feel comfortable in front of the camera. And I hate getting my photos taken. You know, I just, it's when you're on the other side of the camera, everything feels so awkward and so weird. Even though I've done this for years, I'm the one who's like, what do I do with my hands? Recently, I've decided I want to be in photos. I want evidence that I lived my own life. I want to see myself and see myself living a life that I'm having fun with and that I'm happy in. And- no offense to my husband, <laughs> but anytime I hand him the camera, it's just not quite what I'm looking for. You he's, know, not like, he's not a he's photographer. He's a musician. Yes. Yeah, he's a musician. He's talented in so many ways. But no one was taking photos like I can because it's my eye. You know, it's like there's something I see. And so I decided that I wanted to do more of like a self-portrait project. And it's also mixed. And this is where I can get off on a million tangents because it's mixed with The last four years of my life doing a lot of therapy and going to counseling and learning myself and who I am outside of other people's expectations and learning to let go of shame of who I am and really receive myself for who I am, that was a big piece of photos I wanted to take as well. Like I didn't just want to smile at the camera and poses I've seen on Instagram. I mean, I do want to do some of those. Some of them are really cool. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not knocking that. It's just like, I want to see myself because for the last three or four years, I've been discovering myself in a way that I'm really enjoying. And so I did this post on Instagram and I made a story and a post just kind of warning people like, Hey, I've been feeling myself lately. Like I love myself. I am enjoying myself and I'm going to take pictures of myself. If that annoys you, If you get offended, there will probably be some bodysuits and a little bit of booty here and there, and there are some people who follow me who would not appreciate that. Namely some family members and or some people from past who are I don't know how to say this. A little more religious? A little more religious. I'm like in the religious system a little bit more in a way that I'm not anymore. And um, I was just trying to give them a heads up of hey, if you need to unfollow, if you need to pause me, fine, but I'm going to do this because I want to, because I'm loving it.
0: I was just going to say, do you care if I interrupt? Please. At your age and at my age, I want to say to you, from this old lady's perspective, Mm -hmm. do it now. Oh. (laughs) Because as soon as your body starts changing, you're like, what the (laughs) heck is happening to my ass? Yes. Since when do I look like this? Like It it happens kind of suddenly. Yes. Or your tummy, and you're like, how come my
1: belly button looks like that unless I stretch to the ceiling? And then it looks normal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and side note, part of my inspiration for this was there's an episode of Schitt's Creek where Moira, who's the mom, she's running for like some local government position. And she hears that there's this scandal about her, and she's like, oh no, my nudes, they found my nudes on the internet. And it's not that no one cares about her nudes and she is devastated. So she tries to leak them and she (laughs) tries to like find them. And then in the end, she's giving someone advice and just saying like, you take the nudes now, like with your gorgeous body, do it. Like now's the time. Like, I want you to remember yourself. And all your glory, and you won't regret it later. And I'm like, actually, I'm going to take that advice. <laughs> you like, should. I love that. Yeah. So Moira, shit, has been some inspiration for me.
0: <laughs> when I was your age, I was very self-unaware, mm-hmm. and I actually grew up not looking in the mirror. So I, mm. I honestly don't know what my naked body looked like mm. as a teenager, yeah. or maybe even my 20s. Yeah. It was religion. That had me not looking at my own body because naked bodies were something you were not supposed to look at. And so I just translated that into my own. So I have no idea what my body looked like Mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish I had a memory of that. I would like to know. Yeah. So super self-unaware. And then finally, I start to wake up to, oh my gosh, I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. Just as I'm reaching a point that my body starts to change. Yeah. And so now that I do know who I am, Mm -hmm. I have a body that I'm like, shoot, (laughs) like if I wanted to look good, I'd really have to exercise now.
1: (laughs) Three hours a day at the gym. Yes. No, but I, but I think that's another piece of it too. It's like, yes, our bodies change, but I am planning on loving every flabby inch of my 90 year old self. You know, I, I also don't want to tie it to what. Beauty culture says is beautiful, and I think that that's part of the journey for me is I have felt squished and smothered by other people's expectations. And so for me, I'm thirty six, I have two kids. This is what my body looks like right now. It's like, how do I love myself now? All the pieces. So that for me is my mental health and my physical health. It is the way that I look, the way that I feel. It's like all of it mixed in. And there are parts that I don't love everything yet. I'm not doing a great job at this, but I'm doing better than I ever have. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself. At 36, I'm not going to be like some bodybuilder. My physical body is probably going downhill from here, in a sense, mm-hmm. quote unquote. But I still. On like, a cellular level. On a cellular level, exactly. But I can still enjoy i can still enjoy and i can take nudes till i'm 90 uh-huh. uh, i don't have to post those no one else needs to appreciate
2: and that, them and that, i can <laughs> yeah
0: that's kind of what i didn't say a minute mm-hmm. ago is i wish i had those images of myself mm-hmm. not to share right but to just have akin to having photos of yourself as a child yeah you know to be able to look back years later and go that was me yeah And it's kind of fascinating. You know, I look at photos of me as a child with a haircut similar to what I have right now, and it's just entertaining. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to show the world. Yeah. I'm not going to like make it a thing of it. I want to see. It's simply for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was thicker and it looked like a wig.
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There. There's a description. Like same haircut. (laughs) I'm like four years old and it looks like a wig. That's amazing. But Mm. it's just, I don't know. We have this need to capture. Yeah. And as a photographer, you totally understand yeah. that desire to capture because you're all about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever talked about the fact, I think we probably have, but just in case, my first photography job was
1: portraits. No, we portraits. not. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I started at one of those places in the mall mm-hmm. that does glamour shots. Yes. And so I learned how to pose people. And I learned things that are unattractive versus attractive. <laughs> yeah. And so when I pose people, I have a lot to tell them to do. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, sit down, let me take your picture. Mm-hmm. I don't leave anybody alone. Yeah. I'm like, this shoulder here, this shoulder there, nose here, chin here, forehead here. Yes. You know, I have a lot to say. When mm-hmm. somebody points a camera at me, I'm like, uh, shoulder moves, right? Uh, nose. Like, I try <laughs> really hard to imagine the angle I'm at, but I'm, it's still extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And so when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, I so know what you mean. Yes, I don't want my picture taken. I believe that the camera decides what it likes. Mm -hmm. What the camera thinks of me isn't what I see in the mirror. And so I don't want to know what the camera sees. (laughs) Yeah, The camera has shown me I'm not fond of what it sees. Mm -hmm. And so I'd rather like what I see in the mirror and Mm -hmm. not have pictures of myself to be looking at but in terms of the capturing and having mm-hmm. living on my computer for years down the road, yeah, I want that. Yeah, maybe we should at some point swap so you can. Do you <laughs> know what? That'd be yeah. so cool, and then yeah. not show each other. Yeah, and then Photoshop around yeah. and then show each other our favorites.
1: Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be quite. It a is fun also project. different to see how someone else sees you. Yes, you know, because it's also still not the same way you see yourself. Yeah, exactly.
0: Every photographer has a style. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the photo you shared today when you said, the only thing I don't like about this photo is that I'm not in it. And then the comments were, oh, you're absolutely in it because this is so you. And I totally agreed with that. It's your style. But I could totally also understand if only you were in it.
1: Yes. It was just
0: (laughs) such a cool shot that I was like, yeah, I wish you were in it too. Mm -hmm. But I agreed with your friend. Yeah. A lot of people don't see my style because I only share sunsets mostly.
1: (laughs) Ooh, look at that sky. I better share it. Whenever I see a beautiful sky out my window, I'm like, I I think Natalie's going to post a picture of this later.
0: (laughs) You're not the only person that says that. I'm just a bit obsessed with the desire to capture. Mm. That's what it is. And every sunset Mm -hmm. is different. I bet there are people out there who think every sunset's the same. Mm. And I just am in awe of every single one of them. That I can't stop myself taking pictures, even when they're not that great and I don't share. You bet I'm photographing (laughs) the
1: sunset. I love it. Don't stop. Keep doing it. (laughs) And I think I can bring that even back to this piece of beginning to believe that I'm worth capturing. Hmm. And I think part of that is connected to my religious background, which there are so many pieces I'm thankful for. But it also hurt me in a lot of ways. One of the ways that it hurt me is in an attempt to try to bring out humility in me, the way it was done was a way that just made me feel small and that I needed to shrink and become less and less and less of who I was. And I finally, four years ago, I finally realized that wasn't the point. The point isn't to disappear so that a big God feels even bigger. The point is actually he made something that's fucking beautiful. And that thing is me. I am amazing. And I don't have to shrink to make him bigger. I don't have to shrink to make other people bigger. It's a piece of I can love myself for who I am and Mm -hmm. I can capture that. And it's not prideful. It's not me trying to show myself off. It is an appreciation for something that is beautiful, just like a sunset or just like a mountain. And I feel like We still aren't really allowed to say, I think I'm pretty. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I'm beautiful. And for
0: some reason, people really judge that. Yeah. My listeners can't see that I'm sitting here listening to you smiling my ass off because (laughs) this is how I want every woman to feel and for them Mm. to be talking like this. Mm. Yeah. Because it's not arrogance. Arrogance is actually very small and uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a false mask, Mm. arrogance. For anybody to say, I'm really cool, or I'm really beautiful, I'm really this, that, or the other, that's their genuineness coming out, Mm. not their arrogance. That's their, I figured out how to be me on some level, and I still want to keep figuring it out. I feel like I'm saying all the time lately, perfection doesn't exist,
2: Mm. but
0: there's no reason to not keep aiming for it. It's a destination that is invisible. But I love being on the path to being better and better and better at anything, self-esteem mainly because mm-hmm. of the magic I've found in being able to go, I like who I am. Yeah. Because I, I spent most of my life completely oblivious to what it feels like to like this person. Yeah. And I'm the only person I live with. This is my skin. I have to know this person. And to not like it is incredibly uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. And so
0: it pleases me no end that you're finding (laughs) comfort and you're finding comfort in
1: even saying it. Yeah, it is. And it's also helpful. It's just you and me in this room right now, (laughs) but it is. I love that. I feel proud of myself for being able to say that because I used to not be able to, and even feel proud of myself because it feels hard earned. It feels like there have been still waves that try to push against that. No, remember, you're supposed to be small. No, remember, go back to what was. No, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't go back to that thing anymore. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that the original post that I posted on Instagram, I honestly was just kind of giving it as a subtle message to my mom and my in-laws and then one other dad of a friend that follows me. And I got so many responses from girls in my inbox about their own self-love journey and how so much about the patriarchy and how things have shut them down for years after years. There's something called purity culture that there's been a big backlash against of this idea that it's a woman's responsibility to take care of what a man thinks of, you know, it's like with our bodies and with our dress. and all So that's called things. purity culture, huh? Yeah. So there's, okay. yeah, there's culture. I
0: haven't had words for that. Ah. And I don't mean to interrupt no, yeah. you. Go. So. Please don't forget exactly where you're at. But I find it fascinating that women are so, in air quotes, in charge mm-hmm. of how we are perceived. Yeah. And men don't have to be in charge of the way they perceive. Yes. If we're in charge. Right. Why are men so at the helm?
1: Yes. Yeah. So,
0: so who is the powerful, the more powerful of the two? Exactly. Is it women or is it men? Yeah. The underlying current is we dictate what they think, Mm -hmm. but they're the ones running the world. Yeah. Can they or can they not be in charge
1: of themselves? It's almost a dual directive. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts and strong opinions about this. (laughs) We don't have to go into all of it. Honestly, my roommate, Zach, has been listening to some podcasts and reading some books specifically about the purity culture peace and just some thoughts on it after a wave and a generation has gone through that. So he would actually probably have a lot more to say and a lot more like constructed thoughts. But I would say, I think that it started off with good intentions because I think it started off with this. Don't have sex till you're married because your relationship will be better and you won't have as many broken hearts as if you just wait for the one person. So keep yourself pure. It was kind of that thing of keep yourself pure. And then it kind of turned into if you don't keep yourself pure, you're dirty. And then putting a lot of shame on people. To try but that to kind do of only right went thing.
0: toward the woman. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. Because we don't associate the word pure with a man. Oh, that's so true. We that's just so don't. That's so true. Yes.
0: We don't associate that. Yeah. With that's masculinity. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely but true. But we do associate it with femininity.
1: Mm-hmm. That is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it was put on women. I'm not saying shame men, but. No, but it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, it is very interesting. And just how women dress and how tight their clothes are or short their shorts are. You know, tank tops at school are not allowed because you distract the yeah. boys. And
0: and the everything, especially these days,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is being sexualized. Yes. Like over the top. And that was one of the things that I really noticed uh, when you were posting on Instagram about, mm-hmm. okay, guys, this is where this is going. Yeah. I'm not doing this to be sexualized. I'm doing this because I'm loving myself and I'm wanting to capture myself. Yeah. I just want to jump up and cheer that because Mm -hmm. I will never do that. I, I, (laughs) it is what it is. I will never have the comfort, Mm -hmm. the internal comfort to do that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I don't mind. I don't, that's not something I'm aiming to change, but anybody who can do that, oh, me and pom-poms jumping up, (laughs) I just want to cheer you. Yeah. I just want to cheer you you endlessly. And it has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. being sexualized. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you for
0: that. It's just my enjoyment of seeing Mm -hmm. people comfortable in their own skin. Mm
1: -hmm. I like that. And honest, thank you so much for that encouragement because there is still backlash and there's backlash from people and there's backlash from like the internal critic that I have in my own head sometimes. And so I think it's important and so helpful and healing, honestly, to have mm-hmm. cheerleaders who will say, no, you're doing it. Keep going. Whether I'm doing it right the whole way doesn't really matter. Totally
0: doesn't matter. Yeah. You're learning. Yeah,
1: I am learning and I'm learning to love myself and I won't do it right all the time and that's okay, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Thank you for, thank you for encouraging me in that. Thank you for being I a cheerleader. I I have a
0: chapter in my book on self-esteem called Shame, Blame, and Disappointment. Mm. And I talk about all three of these things being dead ends,
2: Mm.
0: also being control tactics. Mm. Because shame, blame, and disappointment are ways to control others. Mm. And if we do it to ourselves, it's a way to make us feel bad. Other people do it to make you feel bad and try and make you do what they are saying you should do or or believe what they want you to believe and when you do it in your own head it's just a way to make you feel bad about yourself
1: Mm.
0: so i am super anti shame blame and disappointment yeah which is also why i try to make decisions in my own life that stop me from being able to feel any disappointment in myself Mm. for the most part i think i've left shame behind Mm. I'm pretty sure. Now it's my turn
1: to like do a dance for you. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe something's going to rear its head and I'm gonna be like, whoa I do I really feel that? But as I sit here talking to you today, uh shame feels very foreign Hmm. for me. I love that. But disappointment, um, I'm still working on, you know, when I when I say something to somebody I shouldn't have said, or Mm. when I make a choice in life that Was I not wearing glasses? What made me do that? You know, Mm -hmm. what made me? And so I I do still struggle with Mm -hmm. some disappointment, but that's the goal is to make choices so I don't feel that about myself and so that I'm not mad at myself, so that I don't have reasons to criticize because that's the opposite of self esteem. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's good. When you think of disappointment, so for me, disappointment is kind of just paired with trying because you won't always do it well. And I get disappointed if I do something not perfectly, which is every time, you know, it's like basically every time. So for me, disappointment doesn't feel as defeating. It just is an emotion I'm feeling. It's like, I feel disappointed. That's okay. I'll keep going. Oh, good for you. So would you describe disappointment differently? I think I would because I see disappointment as
0: bigger than failure. Mm -hmm. And maybe I have that backwards. I believe it's John Maxwell that says fail forward. And so- I kind of see failure since hearing that as no big deal Mm. because that's how we learn. As long as we're moving forward, we can keep failing and failing and failing. We're going to get better and better and better. Failure is less of a feeling, Mm. whereas disappointment is far more a feeling and and an uncomfortable one. Mm. Yeah. One I want to avoid. Yeah. A feeling of failure just says, I'll try again. Or I don't need to try again because I've decided with that last go that I just can't do that thing or that I'm no good at that thing or that I have no interest in that thing. One of those realizations recently was I was talking to a district manager and I realized in the conversation that I don't like managing people and I gave up trying to manage people a couple years ago. And without really having words for it, I realized in the conversation with the district manager, oh, yeah, I don't like managing people. And I gave up on this because I I felt like I kept failing. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things we were talking about, was kind of pointing toward the management of people, even though I didn't realize that that's what we were talking about. Yeah. And because he's such a good manager of people... Mm-hmm. I had this light bulb go on. Uh-huh. And so that's a yeah. good example for I've failed. I'm not good at it. I don't want to pursue it. And I don't have to be good at everything.
1: Yeah. And that's great. That's perfect. It's self-knowledge. It's self-knowledge. What a realization. And I think that might be the difference between being disappointed in a moment or an outcome and being disappointed in yourself. It's like being disappointed in yourself is the painful piece. It's like, we let go of that. Yeah. But being disappointed in an outcome, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like feel that feeling and move on forward or a different direction. Like it that's not moral, that's not right or wrong. It just is. So yeah, keep going.
0: Yeah. I need to expand my view on disappointment because I think I had it really related to feeling it for me or feeling it for another person, mm-hmm. which is why I talk about it being a control tactic is because when you show somebody you're disappointed in them, you're trying to control, yeah, what they do in the future mm-hmm. based Classic on what they parenting
1: move. Uh huh. I'm so yeah. disappointed. <laughs> yeah, not a healthy parenting move. Just you know that, but a
0: friend of mine that read my book, uh-huh. she told me to take that chapter out.
1: Oh, really? Of
0: my book, Cause... yeah, because disappointment is a very important tool for her mm. raising
1: her children it, at the time, and it so works. she's like, "You need to take that out." It works. <laughs> is it healthy? Is it actually helping that child's heart to know itself and to know what it loves and to know how to relate to you in a way that's not shame-based? I'm, I don't know your friend. I'm sure they're great, but.
0: The book wasn't about raising children. Yeah. And so I I just went, yeah, no, that chapter's staying. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: you <laughs> I didn't can, say that to her, that her but in my own head, I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that chapter is a pretty important chapter because yeah. this book is on self-esteem.
1: Yeah. That is, I. that's very important. I need to read that chapter and I need to read that whole book.
0: <laughs> I started recording it, but then I started recording another book and nice. then I started recording my intonation training. I have so many things recorded and it's like, finish one. Yeah. Make it available. Finish another. <laughs> yes. So I will have a lot of audio books at the end of my life. <laughs> Whether or not they will be in print, who knows, but. Oh my. I like the idea of people hearing how I mean it, mm. yeah. you know, because I'm all about communication. I have a problem with my words being twisted, which has happened to me countless times over the years, sure. having my words twisted, mm-hmm. and I kind of do have an obsession with being understood. Yeah, which is actually the podcast I just uploaded the day before yesterday is mm-hmm. about understanding, yeah, being understood, and feeling as though you understand. Mm. That's it's important, yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about super specifically is the relationship between feeling beautiful and being sexualized. So if we could return to that, one of the reasons I want to return to that is because I was recently shown a video for a song that is in the charts currently. And I don't even want to give the singers credit by saying their name. So I was shown the video by a woman and she was referring to it as being feminist Hmm. and empowering. I was watching it going, this is the opposite Hmm. of empowering women because this isn't just sexualizing women. Hmm. This is absolutely insisting men don't feel respect for women. Hmm. And just to, kind of visit how I see respect for women or men's view of women, I have to use my perspective on how I see women. I have really high standards for women Hmm. that I don't have for men.
2: Hmm.
0: I feel as though women should be classy. Hmm. Women should be intelligent. Women should have integrity. Women should have tact. Hmm. And I think we just seem to be a little more moral than men. And I don't know if that's a very good word to use, but I do think classy is maybe the word because it can kind of represent so many things. When women are vulgar and they aren't classy and they're crass, oh my gosh, it just (laughs) breaks my heart. And Mm. it's like you're sending us backwards. Mm. We're willing to see men in a very non-sexual way Mm. as another human being, whereas men are less likely to do that. And so if we help them sexualize us, mm. we're doing ourselves such a disservice.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to cut this out, but I'm going to tell you the name of the video just in case you've heard about it or seen it. No,
1: I'm not super up on my pop culture references. And, <laughs> and I'm not walk- either.
0: So when I saw it, Yes. <laughs>
1: When I saw it, I was horrified. Mm -hmm. I honestly haven't seen the whole video. I just see clips online, but I'm like, eh, I'm not interested in, like, seeing that whole thing. I was
0: not interested, but Mm -hmm. it was a room with four women, and only one of them was saying that this video is empowering for women.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm like, how? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. How? Mm -hmm. Since when are pasties empowering? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, that's not the word I would use. There are just so many things that could make men think higher of women, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. less of women.
1: Yeah.
0: And although many of us are doing those things, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're stepping backwards Mm -hmm. to have other women being so vulgar. Mm -hmm. Since when is vulgar currency? Yeah. In a successful world where anybody's achieving anything, where anybody's, becoming a better person, moving forward. Uh, I was going to say earning more money, but I if know. you're a stripper, that's, there it is. Well, that's the only, that's the only
1: avenue. <laughs> well, and I would say the artists of that song and that music video are profiting highly off of that. I think it depends on your value system and what your currency is and what currency you value. And so vulgarity does actually get you places, but it depends on, I think, the value system that you have and where you want to go and is it taking you that direction? So part of me really just wants to say to you, I don't know like all of your history, but I think I can tell this oh, me to you. Please <laughs> like, go ahead. It's like I don't know your history, but what I hear from you is that you haven't been respected by men and you have, your voice hasn't been taken as valuable. To men, really. And that you have been misused and mistreated. So you felt like you can trust women. Let's gather together as strong women. These men are useless. We'll be the better species because I know what we have in us, you know? And Well, uh,
0: I can only go by example. Yeah, You know, I just don't have Mm -hmm. examples of amazing men in my life. Yeah. Which makes it sound like I have none. Yeah. I can think of a couple men in particular that might hear me say this, and yeah. and they would be horrified to think that I would think that of them, and I don't think that of yeah. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do have some good examples, mm-hmm. but because there are so few, yes. and I am so old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. really, I've been observant my whole life watching other people. Mm-hmm. As a classic enabler, you're always watching everybody else to make sure everybody else is okay, and I've seen, I've watched, I've Mm -hmm. witnessed, I've paid attention, I've noticed things that others might not even notice about themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not just how I've been treated by men. I work in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and I serve as many women as I serve men. Yeah. And so I have clear perspective. (laughs) You know, it's not like I never come across people. I come across thousands of people. Yeah. I might've come across thousands today alone. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, men just generally are disappointing. And Mm -hmm. so I agree with you. It probably does have a lot to do with why I expect so much from women.
1: Mm -hmm. And understandably, like if that is your perspective and if that is your experience within your lifetime, that absolutely makes sense. My experience has been a mixture of both. so. I can I have quite a few men in my life who are incredible like not just incredible but they value women like value women so much that they will elevate them in companies make sure that they're on boards for businesses so that they have a voice uh, making sure that they are in leadership positions and even my husband who I know he listens to me and when I am upset or if I feel like we should go a different direction he almost doesn't even, he won't second guess. He was like, if you have this intuition, I'm following you. And he has surprised me over and over again. I'm like, are you sure you want to give me that much power? Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I keep going. But I have a lot of instances where I actually see men working really hard to be vital pieces of a society, knowing that they can't do it alone, knowing that they need women and creating spaces for women. I also have received unwelcome attention from men and even in the religious system you know I was 16 years old he's a 30 year old married man with kids who is very inappropriate with me caused a lot of trauma in my life and we don't need to go into those details right now but I have also seen sexualization of I was 16 that was inappropriate and then even after that in relationships and in college and I have seen also a fair share Of guys, I just wish, oh, I can still just, I feel angry. They earned anger in my heart, and I am not quite ready to let it go because it hurt so much. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have an oblivious sense of like, no, like men are great. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I just think that we're human. I think women are human. I think men are human. I think we both can sexualize each other, and I think we can both respect each other. And I would hope, as far as sexualization, Of an individual or like of a body. And even specifically in my situation where I'm beginning to post more photos of myself online and with clothes, some without. (laughs) But I think, and I love that you picked up on the piece of like, I'm not trying to sexualize myself. I am not trying to get more likes or more post engagement because of this. I am doing this because I'm enjoying myself and like I want photo evidence of it. But you can feel who's with you and who's cheerleading you on with their messages. Mm -hmm. And then you can also feel who's, yeah, you want something. I feel powerful in my sexuality, like, and in my body right now. And I think that that is coming across to people. And some people encourage it and they're like, yeah, go for it. And then some people are like, I see that you have power right now. I feel, I feel power coming from you. I want that for myself. And I think that that is where like sexualization comes from. It comes from like taking. It's like taking from other people things that don't belong to you or you don't have a right to. And I wish that we could kind of see that for what it is. And I think if we understood ourselves better, I think that we would have a better idea of when we are sexualizing someone else and when we are being sexualized. Because when I was 16 years old, you know, in a religious situation where my body was shamed, sex was shamed, like any physical thing was shamed. I felt so much shame that this man was coming towards me. I didn't tell anyone, like I wouldn't speak up. I didn't say anything for years. And that was awful. I don't want people to feel like that. I would rather them learn themselves, understand themselves. So then they know the boundaries of this is okay. Like this level of myself is beautiful and I can give this to people I trust, but I don't have to give it to everyone. I don't have to be approved by people. My worth isn't caught up in this. So I'm not going to try to give my body to people online to try to feel worthy because that's not it. Someone else doesn't give you your worth. You have to feel that in you. You mm-hmm. love yourself. That's where it starts. And so it's been interesting. I feel like this is like a turn I wasn't ready for because it does feel like so tied up into a lot of my life and conversations that I thought I was done with. It's like, oh, I've dealt with that in therapy. I think I'm good now. And it's like it just keeps kind of coming back up. Self-worth and where I find myself looking for it or things I need from someone or things people feel like they need from me and I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in learning myself and knowing myself really well the parts that I love about myself like right now and even the parts that I still feel a little bit like hesitant or have like residue of shame from my past it's like i want to dive into there too like what's in there how do I understand myself better honestly, number one, just for me, like not, I have a daughter and I want to pass things on to her, but first I just want it for me. I'm not looking for a lesson to teach someone else or information to give away or a book to write. You know, it's like, it has to just be for me right now. So that takes pressure off of me. Like, I don't have to even know how to say this eloquently yet. I just know that I feel love in Mm -hmm. myself right now. And that is helping me create boundaries in my life and in my own heart in a really healthy way that I didn't feel able to as a 16-year-old or even in college. You remind me that so many lessons in life
0: shouldn't be seen as something solid Mm -hmm. that you could pick up. They're more like a muscle, something you have to exercise, and sometimes you don't exercise it, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and then an event rears its head, and because you haven't been exercising that thing, you're weak. Mm -hmm. I do return to that often, that remembering this too might be a muscle. Mm -hmm. And there is no perfection, as I say. So am I exercising this muscle? Do I need to exercise this muscle? I feel like so much of my dating history has been me going, wait, why am I learning this lesson again? Yeah. How did this happen yet again? Yes. It's possible I didn't exercise the mindset Mm -hmm. that I needed to not get into that relationship. Look, here it is again. Yeah.
1: You're right. I think it's totally a muscle. And I think a piece that gives you a lot of power is the awareness. It's like, now I know this about myself. It's like the self-realization, I think, is part of loving yourself. And even just seeing yourself for who you are, like who you actually are, not just the person that you want to be or think you should be or the person you want to portray to other people, yes, or who other people want you to be. It's like that has to be stripped away. And then you get to be with yourself. And sometimes you have to sit with yourself alone for a while. Now, I think that's such a good point. It is a muscle because it does happen. We have tendencies as ourselves. So it can seem like cyclical in some ways, but the realization of knowing yourself and knowing the things that will come back over and over again helps you know what muscles you need to work out, like Mm -hmm. what how you need to prepare or what you need to keep an eye out for Mm -hmm. and thought processes need to be muscles. Yeah, and self love in that too. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not going to beat myself up for being this way. Yeah, you know.
0: Just to further the point, if you were to suddenly set down the, I'm working on loving myself Mm -hmm. and you started paying more attention to anything, you probably could find yourself diminishing your self-love. Yeah. Because you aren't exercising it. Right. When you were talking, you made me think of Dr. Bertice Berry. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking of (laughs) her. Maybe that's why. (laughs) Because as you were talking and you were describing, I was like, like, Dr. Patisse Barry, because she's an amazing woman and she's so comfortable in her own skin, mm-hmm. but she's also, even though she doesn't look it at all, she's in her sixties. Oh, I didn't know. That woman has done some learning mm-hmm. and not just through her own personal experiences, which are amazing, but more than most people is exercising muscles. She has gained benefit by being aware of so many things. and. Even to just bring her up, my brain goes to the women we were talking about that are disappointing and vulgar. I'm left going, now, Dr. Bautis is someone to look up to, mm-hmm. someone to. I want to, to be
1: pr- her when I grow up. <laughs> like, Same, yes. yeah,
0: yeah. Hell, let's bring back the word feminism because that's yeah. where it started. When I was talking about that music video. Mm-hmm. She's a champion for women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in a very beautiful way, not in a uncomfortable or loud or crass Mm -hmm. or ugly way at all. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: She's really amazing. Vulgarity doesn't paint the highest picture of what a woman can be. Dr. Bratise (laughs) Berry paints the highest picture of what
0: a, a woman can be. Yes. Whether it's vulgarity or skin or crassness or any Mm -hmm. form of any word that is sexualized Mm -hmm. feminism. Yeah. It's still such poor quality compared to the type of example Dr. Batiste Berry is.
1: Yeah. I mean, we as women have so much to offer, right? I mean, we are awesome. We are so good at so many things. And I feel like one of our gifts is our intuition and oh, I could go on and on. I think women are incredible and I do think our sexuality and our bodies are also part of that mystique and that mystery and the thing that makes us amazing, but that is not all that we have to offer. Maybe that music video felt like it was empowering to women to them, to them, to them, right? Yeah. To them. (laughs) Some people were saying that that music video was empowering to women because they were being vulgar and with no inhibition which male artists also do and kind of are allowed to do and expected to do and I would just say like our level of greatness shouldn't be trying to like be on par with a level of greatness of a man I think men are also great in a lot of ways but my level of femininity and my feminism I'm not going for being the girl version of a boy like that's not what I'm going for. That's yeah. not winning to me. Yeah. So for me to out vulgar a guy, that's not success for me. I think that I just keep bringing it back to knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, what you have to offer is part of the key of being a powerhouse and a, a voice of power. And even bringing it back to Dr. Bertice Berry, if you don't follow her online, Um, Natalie actually is the one who introduced me to her a couple of months ago and I love her so much. I cry with her when she cries, Right, her (laughs) stories are incredible. And at the end of every little like video she does, she says, I love you. And I believe it. Like it was my own mother talking. Like, I believe it when you say you love me and I know you have no idea who I am, but I received that from you and I'm going to rewind that and play that four more times. But that's who she is. Yes, that's who she is.
0: She's so genuine mm-hmm. in everything she says, yes. whether she's talking about love or she's talking about her lesson mm-hmm. that she's learned, the story she has. She recently had one talking about how so many people are enjoying her videos mm-hmm. that they are feeling as though they are entitled to tell her what she should do videos about. Yes. And she flat out addresses that. And she's like, people want me to show my clothes. They want me to talk about this. They want me to talk about that. They want me to do this, that, and the other. And they feel as though they have a right to tell me what to do. Yeah. Oh, she said something that I wrote down, actually. Yeah. She said, if you know your intention, you can't be pulled into someone else's intention.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: She comes out with things like that all the All the time. That you're like, oh, I got to write that down. Oh, I got to write that down. She's full of them. Mm -hmm. And she's just talking. Yeah. And it's so true. You have to just stay true to you. Mm -hmm. And she is such an expert at being true to herself. Mm -hmm. That her genuineness, whether or not she's saying, I love you, or she's saying, I understand what it feels like to experience this thing. You absolutely believe her.
1: Yeah. And I think that goes back to exercising her muscle. In the course of her life, when you begin this practice of self-love and learning yourself and honestly beginning the practice of resisting the expectations of others as your guiding light, you kind of have to resist real hard at first. You have to use a lot of energy to push back against the thing that's been pushing you the whole time. And it feels like it's a strong exertion of your energy, but it won't always be like that. One of the things that I love about Dr. Berry is she is unapologetic, but she is not rude. She's not Mm -hmm. mean about it. She's not overbearing. It just is. It is with her. I want to get there. Right now, sometimes I still feel like I'm pushing back real hard. If you're going to challenge me, I'm going to push back real hard on you right now. But she can received challenge. She listens to people. She has friends that she connects with, but she knows who she is. And she speaks from a place of understanding her worth and not letting that be compromised. I think that's so powerful. Mm -hmm.
0: I hadn't actually, when I was talking about vulgarity, I hadn't actually thought about the name of the song of the video we're talking about. And again, I'm not going to say it, but even the name of the song, is only vulgar words. Like those just aren't words that would come out of the mouth of Dr. Batiste Barry. Mm. Not that every woman should ascribe to being her. But I actually looked up the definition of feminism and femininity. Feminism is kind of obvious, although a lot of women these days kind of twist it into being Mm -hmm. something that's very badass Mm -hmm. When that's not what it is. It's just about equality. Feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: equalness. Mm -hmm. Feminism is essentially saying we're equals. Yeah. So it's not the badassery that a lot of women want to turn into. And then I looked up the definition of feminine just as a comparison. And it's actually quite ethereal. Hmm. There wasn't a hardcore definition for it, and it wasn't actually very easy to write down the definition because it was kind of more words. Hmm. So I found having qualities or an appearance traditionally associated with women.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: No fireworks there, Uh right? And then it said, especially delicacy and prettiness. Hmm. Hmm. So those are two words associated with being feminine. Prettiness and delicacy, which... If we go to masculine, we're not talking about prettiness and we're not talking about delicacy. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. One of the definitions said regarded as female, ladylike, soft, Mm -hmm. womanly. Mm -hmm. And I thought about the fact that women are just a different shape than men. Mm -hmm. Men are a different shape than women. Our bodies are made to create life Mm -hmm. and to sustain the life inside it for nine months. And so womanly for me, I see softness and smoothness and a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. I find that womanly when I lost a lot of weight and I couldn't put weight back on, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I looked skeletal Mm -hmm. and didn't want to look skeletal. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel feminine. Yeah. People would comment on how skinny I was as though it was a good thing. Right. And I'd be like, this isn't beautiful mm. this isn't to me yeah. this isn't feminine this mm. isn't pretty mm. i've never looked at really skinny women and wished that that were me i don't attach to that for some reason mm. i think softness and roundness even in a person's face it's just an attractive thing and maybe that comes back to babies are beautiful mm. And have you ever seen a really thin baby and you, you feel bad for that baby? Huh, yeah. You, you don't go, oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing ever. I think of Junie. She's just so, so perfect cute. and you just want to touch her legs and mm-hmm. her arms and she's just got that round beauty. Here I am turning femininity into into infancy, <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, but it just it is what it is. Yeah. I think weight and shape, and maybe it comes back to bosoms.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I don't have any. For all the listeners who <laughs> can't see, <laughs> I am part of the itty bitty titty committee. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But I mean, also, when you think of Roman and Greek sculptures and art and painting, you know, in the Renaissance period, and it's the bodies that were celebrated look different than the bodies that are celebrated now in our culture currently and in their recent history. I do think that that is changing for better. I think there's a lot of body positivity and body love and body awareness that is going on and changing the shapes of mannequins and stores. and. Even the piece of gender fluidity where we can celebrate the femininity and masculinity in one person. Mm -hmm. And it's not just defined with their sex or it's okay for a boy to be feminine. It's okay for a woman to be masculine. And there are pieces that are kind of being swirled in a way that it used to be unhelpful when it was just defined super black and white. And if you didn't fit that mold – you felt outed. You felt separated. You felt out of place. You know, Weird. You, yeah, you were made to feel weird even though you weren't, you know? Yeah. And so I appreciate even the pieces of the definitions that you were speaking of, like femininity and, and feminism. It's like, yes, I want equality. But even with the definition of femininity, I'm like, yeah, my son has some of those characteristics. My son has probably more of those characteristics than my daughter. And I love that. I love his softness. I love how delicate he is. He's feisty too. You know, he's a lot of things, and I love that part of this upcoming generation that we are kind of redefining gender roles and what it means to be masculine and feminine, and that you can have a mixture of both and a really fun mixture of both.
0: Well, it's nothing is black and white. That's what it comes down Mm -hmm. to. Is I've never felt black or white. Hmm. I know that that comes from being raised as the boy. Mm-hmm. I got treated like the boy. I mm-hmm. had to go hunting. I had mm-hmm. to do construction. I had to be the helper. I had all my hair chopped off. So, my being put in the boy role, I absolutely know that messed with self perception
2: mm-hmm.
0: and had a lot to do with my self esteem struggles throughout my life. Mm-hmm. People who know me now, if they hear me say I don't feel very feminine, They're surprised, and Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they're surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Hell, look at my interests. Yeah. Construction is a thing for me. It just is. I couldn't count how many walls I have gone through Mm. in this house. I love that. It would take me time, but I could calculate maybe how much plumbing I've done, you know. (laughs) I have always just done what I'm interested in, done what I felt capable of, Mm. done what most people would assume is more masculine hmm. while allowing those labels to push me into mentally masculine hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. I can actually remember in elementary school, you reach a certain age where your class gets to help in the lunchroom. You'd be a server. And in elementary school, it's really exciting. It feels like a privilege. Yeah, You get to get out of class and you get to go into the lunchroom and... You're serving food and putting the aprons on and everything. And I remember very clearly a lunch lady saying to me, and this is probably like third or fourth grade, your shoulders are very broad. Huh. I remember that, but I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. But I remember going, okay, something is different about my shoulders.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And throughout my life, people have commented about my broad shoulders. And apparently it's a masculine thing. And- I allowed how people perceive me for years and years to dictate my own self-perception. Yeah. Which twisted my femininity because back then I did only have the black and white views.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is only in all of this self-awareness that I've been doing in the last roughly eight years that I'm finally preaching gray.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Endless gray. mm Every shade of gray. (laughs) And some days I feel more feminine than others. And some days I feel more masculine than others Mm -hmm. if we're going to use one of the two words. Yeah. But I don't see that I have to be a percentage of one or the other at any given time. And for some people, that makes me weird Mm. or strange. I've been told to my face I'm weird. Mm. Actually, I wrote a letter to the person that called me weird.
2: Mm.
0: I never gave it to them. Yeah. It was like, I don't effing care if you think I'm weird
2: Mm -hmm. because
0: I'm just going to be me. Yeah, And whether I'm perceived as feminine or whether I'm perceived as masculine literally doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Your perception of me doesn't affect my perception of me anymore.
1: Yeah. Get it. I love that.
0: I also, in coming to that conclusion, allowed my mind to go, I am feminine. Mm. That has been one of my struggles is allowing myself to see myself as feminine. Yes. If anybody knows me in real life, you know, I'm quite tall. Mm. And so that kind of doesn't help. My height is not traditionally feminine Mm. for some, but I suppose that depends on definition too. But yeah, it's interesting how I dress differently than I used to also. Mm. I used to just be so uncomfortable in my own skin. I didn't even know what to put on my body. Yeah. I would just find something that I like, kind of liked or looked comfortable. And I was super androgynous because the self perception affected the mental follow through.
1: Yeah. I feel similar in the ways that when I was younger, it was you got more approval if you were modest. And modesty could look like different things, but it definitely had to do with the way that you dressed and what you covered. And so all summer long, like I would wear shorts and T-shirts in the pool and everyone else was wearing actual bathing suits. Oh, (laughs) uh Even a one piece just felt like too much for me. And I remember the boys all making fun of me. That I would like wear sweatpants to go swimming. (laughs) That's what they would say. You know, i I you said, like shorts shorts and t shirt. They're like, oh, Becky in her (laughs) sweatsuit. Oh my god. (laughs) But for me, part of the thing of taking pictures of myself in a bodysuit is that version for me. It's saying, like, you know what? I actually am going to be proud of my body that has been shamed for so long. I'm gonna take pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna love it. Mm -hmm. And it's not for other people. It's for myself. Nice. And it's a level of redemption and healing, you know, taking back something that was stolen from me and taken from me a long time ago that I'm, like, working to get back. And so I think healing looks different for everyone depending on the wound that we get. I joke with Phil sometimes. I mean, I say it's a joke, but it's also real. Like, we've already started, like, a fund for our kids' therapy in the future. (laughs) And it's like, they will need it. You know, it's like, we will not do this perfectly. We are going to boomerang from here to there and pendulum swing from here to there. And as we're trying to work this out, they're already alive and noticing us. You know, it's like they are already being – they're already at school. And Demma's coming home with stories of kids saying things to her that are hurting her feelings man, we are all human. We are going to get hurt. You can't stop it. I heard this story, this analogy of this dad and a daughter going on a journey. They went on a train and the dad had her luggage and it was really heavy because it was full of a lot of stuff. And she was like, this is my luggage. I'm going to carry it. And so she tries to carry it and it's too heavy for her. She slows down. She can't keep up. And the dad's like, okay, hun, let me carry this for you for now. It's yours. You can have it. Everything that's in it, you'll get eventually, but right now it's more than you can carry. So you just be a kid. You have fun. Let's go on this journey together and let me carry this luggage. And that's kind of the energy that I'm trying to parent my kids with mm-hmm. is I can't tell you everything yet. You won't get it. I can't prepare you for everything yet. You won't get it. And that's okay. Like you be a kid. As best as I can, I'm going to try to teach you to love yourself and love other people. Because you deserve love and so do other people. And then we will like work through the wounds as they come. Work through the traumas as they come. Because they will. We'll work through them as your mom and your dad. And with professional help. (laughs) And with a therapist eventually. Because sometimes you need professional help. I have benefited massively from professional mental help. And I am a thousand percent pro. So we need each other. And we need time and it's okay that it takes her time.
0: Yeah. yeah. What's interesting when I listen to you talk about modesty is that tell me the state you grew up in.
1: Oklahoma. Okay.
0: So mm-hmm. you spent your life growing up in Oklahoma. Yes. You now live in Utah. Bless and praises. <laughs> I love Utah. It's a cool place, it isn't is. it? Beautiful. Especially our town. Yeah. I'm I love so it. fond of our town. I love our town. I grew up in Utah and mm-hmm. I lived in two different cities and had a lot of exposure to the, all the cities around this area. Mm hmm. And I can honestly say the town we're in is the greatest. The point I'm trying to make, it's fascinating to me, people who grew up here under the religion that is the most prominent here in Utah Mm -hmm. might assume that you grew up in the same religion Mm -hmm. because you're talking about modesty, Mm -hmm. because you're talking about shame. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about the same exact things that I was raised, Mm -hmm. thinking, feeling, believing, and This is a lifestyle that many people are put in Mm -hmm. and have to then somehow navigate their way through and come out on the other side healthy, Mm -hmm. even if they don't change. They still have to figure out how to see themselves, how to deal with this morality, this modest way of being. And I was absolutely the same. To this day, I'm actually still extremely
1: modest. so the same way you cannot force like purity culture and your purity expectations and your modesty expectations on someone, you can't force your idea of what freedom and resistance and femininity and feminism looks like on someone else either. Like that is for them to decide, you know, that is them understanding themselves, what they prefer, who they are and how they're going to express that. And that's also hard because as, people who have grown up in religious backgrounds, and we have felt a lot of freedom coming out of that. Part of me just wants to like go shake everyone's shoulders and be like, there's so much more. like, some things are so good, but some things you're being so tricked. But that's not for me to decide. And that's not for me to force onto anyone, especially if they're not ready. That's its own version of trauma. I agree
0: with that. And Mm. I love that that's how it comes Mm. out You're being tricked. (laughs) That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you decided to publicly say, this is what I'm thinking, this is Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. We assume we're all so different. Yeah. When really we are so much more alike than we ever would realize.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing me on here and letting me talk. Thank you so much for About sharing. This. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: Because it's so nice to hear somebody else saying things akin to what I think, but using different words. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I want you to keep me updated, whether you do it publicly on your <laughs> Instagram or whether you do it privately. I want to know how your thought processes continue to grow. Thank you, Becky. Thank you so much.